This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. So the once save, always save is one of those cliches that Christians use that is not built like people say, well, God help those who help themselves. You know what you find that? In Benjamin Franklin chapter 1 verse 1, because it's not in the Bible, Benjamin Franklin came out with that cliche. It's not biblical. There's some scriptural truth to it. Some scriptural truth to it. Once save, always save. In other words, nothing can separate us from the love of God. We know that. Nothing. No principality, nothing. But it doesn't say you. It doesn't say you. You may have grown up in the church or just started coming, but there are definitely cliches that we hear that we may think are in the Bible. As you're listening to today's message, Pastor Eddie will encourage you to pay attention to what may be falsely advertised as biblical. God calls you to a life pursuing Him and only Him. Make sure as you go through your day that you're paying attention and pursuing the Father faithfully. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of Hebrews chapter 10 as he begins his message, The Just Live by Faith. Let us now turn to the book of Hebrews, chapter 10. Let us go before the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, holy, holy is your name, O God. Your word is holy. And Lord, we ask now that your Holy Spirit be with us, Lord, as Lord, your Holy Spirit is the ultimate worship leader. It leads us into the throne room. And we, we worship in spirit and truth. And Lord, now we ask that you would continue to be with us now in the study of your word. Just as in worship, we don't want to worship in the flesh. We don't want to study the word in the flesh. We don't want it to be our interpretation. We want exegesis, not eisegesis. We want to study it verse by verse, expository, see what the text is saying. And Lord, we want nothing added, nothing taken away, nothing else, just the word of God. So we ask your Holy Spirit who inspired the writer of the book of Hebrews, inspired him to put pen to Pyrus to write this letter to the Hebrew believers almost 2,000 years ago to be our teacher this morning. We want to hear from you, Lord. And so we ask that you would be our teacher. We ask this in your name to pray. Amen. Amen. Well, if you've been with us, we now found ourselves at the end of chapter 10. Um, the book of Hebrews is divided into two sections, two sections, some Commentators have divided into three. Uh, I think two is simple. It's, it's to the point. Uh, the first section, we studied that. It gave us the explanation. It gave us the doctrine of the superiority of Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ is better. Jesus is better than the angels, better than the prophets, better than Moses, so on. That's the theme of the whole letter. Jesus is better. He's writing to Hebrews, Hebrew believers. And so that began in chapter 1, verse 1, all the way to chapter 10, verse 18. That's the first section. 
Last time we were together, we began the second section, and that begins in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, all the way to the end of chapter 13, verse 25. And that now, the second section of the book of Hebrews is the application. The application. Most letters are written like this, by the way. So when you study any book, especially in the New Testament, they always begin giving you doctrine, explaining something, then they give you the application. Okay, and so quite often Christians just want the application, you know, but and that's why they fall until you understand how things works doctrinally, you know, then then you're able to understand how your salvation can continue on in Christ. And that goes with anything in life, right? The more you study a, a mechanic studies the engine knows the theory of the mechanics, they're able to pinpoint the problem and solve it. Rather than trying to just open up the hood and, uh, I don't know, testing the horn and changing the tire. It's under the hood, the problem, right? And so in the same way, the second section gives us the application. So from explanation to application or doctrine to duty, principle to practice, instruction to exhortation. And so the last time we looked at chapter 10, verses 19 to 25... Verses 19 to 25. In verses 19 to 21, it tells us because of Jesus Christ, we have full access to the most holy place. Because of Jesus Christ's work on the cross, we now can boldly go to the throne of grace. We can now go to heaven and not, you know, communicate with God in heaven. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man goes to the Father. No one goes to heaven. No one goes to the holy place except through me. And so he made that clear. Then in verses 24 to 25, um, that's given us three commands and exhortation. The commands are the lettuce. It's not of the salad, but let us, in verse 22, it said, let us draw near. We draw near in faith. Verse 23, let us draw near in hope. And in verse 24, let us draw near in love. Now that brings us to Hebrews chapter 10, verses 26 to 39. And so let us read this together and we'll study it verse by verse. Verse 26, it says, For if we sin willfully, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will he be, though worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot? Count the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing and insulted the spirit of grace. For we know him who said, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord would judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. But recall the former days in which after you were illuminated, you endured a great struggle with suffering. Partly why you were made a spectacle both by reproaches and tribulations, and partly why you became companions of those who were so treated. For you have compassion on me in my chains, and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods, knowing that you have a better and enduring possession for yourself in heaven. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance. So that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promises. 
For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the souls. Well, as we just read, as you can see, there is both a warning and encouragement. A warning and encouragement. And for those of you who are taking notes, our study is divided into two. Verses 26 to 31. 26 to 31 gives us the fourth warning of a series of five warnings that are written in the book of Hebrews. And that is the warning of apostasy. The warning of apostasy. Then in verse 32 to 39 gives us exhortation to perseverance, to persevere in faith. Well, let us now study it. Let's look at verse 26. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26, we'll study it verse by verse. It said, for if we sin willfully, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. This is the fourth warning of the book of Hebrews. If you've been with us since the beginning, at least to chapter 2, you find that thus far we have studied three warnings in the book of Hebrews. There are five. We Now, this morning, we'll look at the fourth warning. The, the first warning was in chapter 2, Hebrews chapter 2. It was the warning of drifting away. The second warning was the warning of unbelief. And that's in chapter 3. The third warning is the warning of spiritual immaturity, and that's in Hebrews chapter 6. And now we come to the fourth warning, which is the warning of apostasy. Lord willing, in chapter 12, we'll look at the fifth warning. Uh, But let's look at this warning. This is a warning. Warnings in the Bible we shouldn't take lightly. It's not like, okay, you know, it's going to rain again on a bro. No, we're talking about serious uh, warnings here. Uh, and when the Bible gives warning, Jesus gave many warnings of false prophets, false teachers, and you find that throughout the New Testament. You find warnings even in the Old Testament uh, with the Lord warns the children of Israel. And quite often we take these warnings lightly. But this is a warning. Let's look at verse 26, and we're probably going to be here for a little bit before we go, and I promise you we'll get out here in time. Uh, verse 26, let's look at this again. It says, for if we, if we, the plural pronoun there, the writer is including himself. He's a believer. He's talking to believers. For if we sin willfully, in other words, deliberately, continually, intentionally, for if we sin willfully after, after what? After we have received the knowledge of the truth, not a truth, but the truth that speaks of Jesus Christ, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. Now, many, uh, there's a lot of views on this. I don't, I'm not going to waste time on these views. I think if we look at the text, we'll tell you the right view, okay? Context is king. People tend to take a passage and apply it to everything, and we, we forget that the book, the Bible was never written in uh, chapters and verse breaks, and what happens, people tend to do is take this verse and apply it to all doctrines, That is not the case here, and we'll see that. That's why I'm taking my time here in verse 1, so you can see who's it talking to and in reference to what. So we can see that the passage is referring to those who are believers, those who have received the knowledge of the truth, which speaks about the gospel. And the writer is saying, we, 
if we sinfully, you know, myself and you as a believer in Christ, after we have received the truth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and what has he been saying for the past 10 chapters, right? The explanation that Jesus is superior. He is the only way to heaven. He is the only sacrifice. The other sacrifice were a shadow of Christ. They only covered sin. They never took away sin. And the only way to be atoned, to stand right with God, is through Jesus Christ and his work on the cross. After we have received, the two words have received is a single word in the Greek. It's in the tense that something has already happened. And so it's one word in the Greek, have received. It means to take, to come into possession, whether it's physical, something physical or abstract, is to have possession. So they have, these people, and including the writer, they have possession of it. They have possession of the truth. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we're going to build upon this so we can see who he's talking to. So the fact that the writer associates himself, twice he used the words we, and he's not speaking French, we. <laughs> and in the fact that, you know, the person or persons receive the truth of Jesus Christ, also, we're going to see this throughout the text Drop down to verse 32. Look at verse 32. This is where he gives the exhortation of how not to fall into apostasy. He said, but recall the former days in which after, and again, after you were illuminated. They were illuminated. They had the truth. He's inclusive. We're talking about Christians. We had the truth. We've been illuminated. In other words, they've been converted. They've been converted. And the warning, again, is consistent with the other warnings because he's also talking to believers. The last warning that we saw was the the warning of spiritual immaturity. And that was the most controversial passage in all of the New Testament. And we did a breakdown of the different views of that. And we looked looked at it all in light of scripture. And we found one that actually fits. Um, I'm not going to go over that study now. (laughs) I was going to say go back to the tape. (laughs) Not that we have tapes. But anyhow... um, But we see the same word with the last warning in chapter 6. What was the last warning? Let's look at it. Chapter 6, verses 4 to 6. It says, For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened. That word enlightened is the same word illuminated in the Greek. We're going to get to that. And have tasted the heavenly gift. Have been partakers of the Holy Spirit. They received the Holy Spirit. Have tasted the good word of God. They know the word and the powers and the coming. So this this is a Christian. It's impossible for those who want to lie to have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come. Verse 6, if they fall away. That is another word for apostasia, but it's the same. It is not the apostasia, but this is the word that some has already committed. And we're going to get to apostasy in a little bit. If they fall away, to renew them again to repentance, since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to open shame. In other words, that is the only way to go to heaven. It is to Jesus Christ. They have received Christ, and they have walked away. They have walked away. Again, we have studied this over and over again. The once saved, always saved term. That cliche sounds nice, but it's not biblical, depending what angle you're looking at. Free will that led you to the cross. Okay? You still have free will as you walk as a Christian. 
Okay, so the one save always save is one of those cliches that Christians use that is not built like people say, well, God help those who help themselves. You know what you find that? In Benjamin Franklin chapter 1 verse 1, because it's not in the Bible, Benjamin Franklin came out with that cliche. It's not biblical. There's some scriptural truth to it. Some scriptural truth to it. Once saved, always be saved. In other words, nothing can separate us from the love of God. We know that. Nothing. No principality, nothing. But it doesn't say you. It doesn't say you. Paul tells Timothy, 2 Timothy, that in the last days many would depart from the faith. What does depart mean? In order to depart from something, you had to be a part of something. And so some people say, oh, they never were saved. Well, where do you get that? Where in the Bible says they never were saved? There's passages that say, well, they were with us, not of us, but it didn't say they were saved or not saved. Remember the man who said to Jesus, Jesus said, many will come to me in that day, and that day say, Lord, Lord, have we not cast out demons in it, prophesied before miracles? Wow, that's a better resume than mine. Jesus said, depart from me, I never knew you. So how do we know? Well, I would think by looking at a person who has those gifts, that person is saved. But God knows who's his. We don't. And so here we find these are Christians that they're some who just walk away. They're, they're, unbelie- they're people who believe. They're people who don't believe. They're people who once believed and then walked away. You can't lose your salvation. It's like you lose your keys. That's terrible terminology as well. Oh, I lost my keys. I lost my salvation. I'm going to church. I need it right now because I'm going to church. Where is my salvation? How do you lose your salvation? The warnings, though, that are in Hebrews, if you drift away, unbelief. Unbelief. And the reason why I got I don't have it there, but I, I just have to uh, bring it because it's important for us to understand that. You know, we, we, we have this thing, oh, I'm safe, said the prayer, and that's it. I can live my life any way I want. I can live my life anywhere. So, so, so why should I worry about the warnings? Why worry about false prophets? False teachers. Jesus, why are you giving me warnings? If I'm once saved, always saved. Why? The Bible is filled with warnings. But in Romans chapter 11, Paul makes it clear. And I'm going to read this. Yeah, I'm probably sure I read it before, but it's not there. If you want to turn to Hebrews chapter 11, verses 17. This is what Paul writes. He said, and if some of the branches were broken off. Remember, we've been grafted in. Jews and Gentiles, right? Olive tree, we've been grafted in as wild olive branches into the olive tree. And if some of the branches were broken off, and you being a wild olive tree were grafted in among them, and with them became partakers of the root and the fatness of the olive. So we've been grafted in, Jews and Gentiles grafted in, right? He said, do not boast against the branches. But if you do boast, remember that you do not support the root, but the root supports you. In other words, Judaism, Christian, Judeo-Christian. We, we came out of Judaism, right? Verse 19, you will say then, branches were broken off that I may be grafted in. Yeah, they've been broken off. Now I'm grafted in. Well said, because of unbelief. Unbelief. Because of unbelief, they've been broken off this tree. They were broken off. And you stand by what? Faith. Do not be hoardy, but fear. Well, why should I fear? Here's the reason why. For if God did not spare the natural branches, the children of Israel, because of unbelief, he may not spare you either. (gasps) Once saved, always saved. Okay, here we go. Therefore, consider the goodness and severity of God of those who fall severity. But towards you, goodness, you continue in his goodness, 
Otherwise, you also will be cut off. Unbelief. They've been grafted in. But what can tell you, that's what happened with the children of Israel. That was the other warning of unbelief. That's why there's one, don't drift away. You know, I've known people that gave their lives to they cried, they've been part of the worship team, and then I hear them on the phone, I don't believe Jesus Christ is Lord anymore. You know, you can't, well, Jesus once saved, always saved. But I say, oh, you know, Lord, okay, I confessed, I lived my life, I read my Bible, I was filled with the Holy Spirit, once enlightened. But Lord, I, 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 because you're drifting away, I don't believe you anymore. I just don't want to believe that anymore. I don't believe you. I, I, that's it. What do you think God's going to say? I'm sorry, you stuck with me. Once saved, always saved. Then, you're not, that's, then that's not free will, you see. Why did, if that's the case, why didn't God force man from the very beginning? He created for free will moral agents. When you gave your life to the Lord, it was you by your free will said, I repent. I now surrender my life. Now I'm born again because I believe I choose to change my life and I believe. At that moment, free will was never taken away from you. Why do you keep doing the things you're doing? When you know what Paul says, the things that I should be doing, I just don't do. And the things that I'm not supposed to do, I do it. Oh, this wretched man, right? So, just to get that out of the way, that wasn't in my notes, but I just felt it was the need to do it. Anyway, this illumination, we have this word here, you know, right? Illuminated, here we see in verse 32, and the word that we just saw in verse, in chapter 6, verse 4, it was enlightened. Both these words, illuminated and light, is the Greek word for to, for tizo. It's the same word. Both is the same word in the Greek. It means to be enlightened, to give light, to shine, to, to understand. For those of you who have the strong concordance, that's why I put the G5461. If you want to search it for yourself in the strong concordance, that is the definition of the word. They've been enlightened. They've been illuminated. So this passage is referring to those who have been enlightened, who have been illuminated by having received the knowledge truth. They received the, the gospel truth. They understand that Jesus Christ is the only way. And so they lack nothing intellectually. They lack nothing when it comes to the word of God. About truth. The only sacrifice through Jesus Christ. Now this is important. This is important because with this in mind. You're probably thinking wait a minute. We're talking about willful sin. What about me? I, I'm not. In apostate, I'm not leaving Jesus, but there are sins that I myself, you know, I have a weakness in. And yes, sometimes I just deliberately do it. You know, you're, you, if you know it's wrong, then that's a good thing. The bottom line is when you don't think it's wrong, <laughs> because that's the Holy Spirit convicting you. Say, so, you know, it's just wrong. But you have a every, all have a lot of people have weaknesses, okay? But that doesn't mean that you're walking away from God. There's a difference. Because are we perfect? No, we're not. Are we better than sinners? No, we're better off because we do have Christ. Friends, we're so glad you decided to join us today here on Running the Race. Pastor Eddie has been taking us through the book of Hebrews in a series titled, Jesus is Better. Within its pages, you hear about great people of faith. Do you feel like you could live a life like these great people of faith? You realize they weren't perfect, right? 
Our hope is that these messages are empowering you to see and believe that you can be a person of great faith too. One way to grow in your faith and understanding of God is by joining up with others who love and serve God. Here's Jessica with an invitation just for you. We'd love to have you come join us at Calvary Chapel of Milford. We're conveniently located off Interstate 84 and Route 6. For service times and all the information you need, visit runningtheraceradio.com and click on the Back to Homepage button. While you're there, you can listen to this teaching again or explore more messages from Pastor Eddie. Again, that website is runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks, Jessica. What a great invitation for those in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area. For the rest of us, remember that you can find more messages from Pastor Eddie on that same website, runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks so much for joining us today. We're excited to learn more from the book of Hebrews. For today, our time has come to a close, but we'll be back again next time and hope you will too. Come back to hear Pastor Eddie share more from this great book of Hebrews, here on Running the Race. 